welcome to yet another episode of the Logcast. I believe this is going to be our 50th episode uh, of all time. So, I guess round of applause, everyone. Uh, I'm joined uh, once again by my two co-hosts, uh, Kev Rose all right. and Jeffron Perez. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm not too bad. Um, Dave, just a little amendment to your little 50th anniversary celebrations. Um, the if you count the E3 episode, this is actually our 51st. But that was it was kind of like a special. Yeah, that that was kind of like a. Yeah, that was an entirely normal episode. The way I look at it, when I mean, we had a, I think it was our what our 16th episode it was only 15 minutes long. So that barely counts right. as an ep- episode, and then we have that extra episode to sort of make up for it. So I figure we're still at about fifty episodes. Yeah, if we can't, if we, uh, yeah, and if you go and buy the numerical episodes, then mm-hmm. yeah, this is the fiftieth. See, we've become one of those things that I hate, which is when you get like a TV show where there's like a special episode or a or a Christmas special which isn't included in the series run, and then it's like people argue over what counts and what doesn't. And, you know, we have become that ourselves. So let's just call <laughs> Except that I don't think anyone cares near enough about that. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> There's some obsessive <laughs> Rare and Friends fan who cares about our show canon that much. <laughs> oh, you just know Craig Duncan's at home just scratching his head and pulling his hair out like, ah, the numbers don't add up. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> So how are you, Jeff? You sound abnormally tired. Oh, I'm fine. It's, uh, you know, it's a little early here. We usually, just because of me being on the West Coast US and and you being over in the UK, we kind of try to find a time that works for all of us, and it is usually early in the morning, so (laughs) I'm I'm fine. You should move over to the uh, east side of the country where the cool kids are. Right. Mm. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's right in the middle. Yeah, right. I'm still in Eastern time zones, so I'm right near the edge. So that's pretty cool. Like, I don't have to actually be East Coast while still being able to enjoy their time zone. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, Dave. Like, in terms of a uh, having a internet-ish life, you're probably in the best possible time zone because you're kind of like halfway between the UK and the West Coast, mm-hmm. so you get the best of both worlds. Like nothing's ever going to be too early or too late for you. Right. Uh, and it, you, I used to, when I actually had like cable and stuff. It used to be really cool because I would get you know you get all the shows before everyone else because of the time mm-hmm. zone differences. So that was always cool. Right. This is like you know everything to beers and the Eastern time zone. And everyone else has to wait two or three hours. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it's it's kind of cool in that regard too. You know, that matters a lot less in the internet age as it used to. That's true. (laughs) But yeah, so... Yeah, uh, part four, Donkey Kong Country 2. Yeah. I'm not sure how this happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess before we move on to that, maybe you want to briefly go over the news of the week, which there isn't isn't really a whole lot. I mean, there is, but not like a whole lot that really, really relates to our Rare and Fringe coverage. But uh, Mm. do you guys want to talk about that a little bit, guys? Yeah, I think uh, there's two real big 
news things this week, and, and one of them specifically applies to our and friends, and that would be the announcement of the uh, PlayStation 4 Pro, and that relates to the possibility of ukulele being in 4K. Uh, if you think about it too, I mean, we've, we've barely talked about this title, but we technically cover Homefront the Revolution as well. That's true. Just none of us have ever actually got around to buying it yet, so theoretically it could affect <laughs> that as well. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's a shame. If I if I had a better computer, I would have downloaded Homefront this weekend because it's free on Steam, isn't it? Oh well, yeah. Yeah, that, so. that that that's a, that's actually a bit of news we can talk about. Homefront: The Revolution yeah. is free on Steam. I, I think they're trying to uh, get people to try it out because it got a lot of bad press because it was so so buggy. I know there's been like a bunch of new patches and it's supposed to run a lot better now. And that's, oh, okay. that's one reason I wasn't motivated to buy it because it seemed like, you know, this isn't really in a super stable, playable state right now. Right. And they've been, you know, putting out a ton of patches and I think it's starting to get a lot better than it was at launch. So it's. I should probably. I'll probably pick it up when the, the next time there's like a sale on it or something. I just don't want to pay the full $60 if it still ends up being buggy. Yeah. Games like that usually go pretty cheap on Steam b <laughs> before too long, so hopefully they'll drop the price. That's true, but uh, I mean, I want it for Xbox, I'm not going to lie. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully they'll drop it on there, too. Yeah. I mean, the Xbox is always really good with their sales. They have them pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like a title that will probably uh, go on sale fairly quickly. No disrespects to yeah. it, but, you know, it's it wasn't a huge hit. Anything that's not a huge hit really rarely stays full price for long. It's very true. So the um, the PS4 Pro that was announced this week, anyway, that's um, as Dave and Jeff have mentioned about both the um, the possibility that Ukulele and Homefront could receive 4K patches for their uh, PlayStation releases because the PS4 Pro supports 4K gaming, and in fact, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Sony say? They were going to issue firmware updates for all PS4s so they could all support 4K. Uh, it's HDR. HDR, yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yep. Okay. So they'll, they'll have HDR support but not 4K support. Uh, that's great. Right. Yeah. Because then you need way right. more horsepower. The power just isn't there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if they had bothered to put an ultra, you know, HD Blu ray player in it, then, you know, there was always that. But it's like, what, what could the original PS4 even do in 4K with its power? It's like can't play the discs. I mean, that's pretty. I mean, that's why that why the Xbox Xbox One X added it because it you know had the 4K uh, Blu-ray player built right in. So even if it couldn't play games natively, you could still play some movies and do a few streaming services. So yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just uh, one thing. Go ahead. Uh, one thing I'm not clear on because I've never owned a 4K device. Um, do. Uh, does 4K still use regular HDMI cables? Yes, I believe. Okay. I assumed so. But well, I, didn't, I think it requires like HDMI. Well, there's a number. On yeah, it, but there's. I, I think. I think. Doesn't it have to do more with the ports, or does it have to do with the cables too? I'm not sure. I mean, buy a new. If you get it out of the box, you know, you're going to get a new cable anyway that you know is going to work with it. Mm -hmm. So right. it's. It shouldn't be too much of a hassle for consumers unless maybe they find like a Gen 1 HDMI cable and use that then maybe there could be issues but I'm not sure um, you know I I feel like it would have been talked about a lot more if there was going to be a big cable confusion 
it seems okay to be. so is it is it kind of like USB where the slot stays the same but the actual uh, cable itself gets upgraded over time I might have to do some more I think the ports <laughs> are actually more so I'll have to do a little bit more research but okay Listen. No, it's it's not like the marked or it's not advertised in the same way as USB is. So it makes me think that it's probably less big of a deal. Yeah, because it's like yeah. you know US okay. HDMI version one point whatever, and you know very rarely you go into a store and see like the version one point whatever cables on it. So it makes me right. think that it has more to do with ports than the cables. Mm-hmm. Which I, I think so. But I, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, fair enough. But um, yeah, so anyway, as we're saying, the the PS4 Pro will support 4K gaming, and uh, you know, we'll see which developers decide to embrace that. Um, Jeff, I think you said that uh, Platonic said all of their assets are being uh, developed in 4K. Yeah. Yeah, I believe I read that somewhere that uh, they said that in an interview. I don't see why they wouldn't do well, it that good. way, especially because a yeah. lot of PC gamers do play mm-hmm. at 4K already. And since they're making it mm-hmm. for the PC, like it doesn't make sense anymore to not make your assets at 4K. Especially when um, a lot of the HUD elements use sprites, mm-hmm. as we mentioned a few weeks back. Yeah. It it would look it would start to look a little grainy yeah. if you had 1080 sprites like stretched <laughs> up on a 4K yeah. display. So yeah, that's that's a possibility. I mean, of course, you know, it's it's this is all just like a like a, you know, Sony's just basically shouting first. You know, it's like like once Scorpio comes out, then you know, Ukulele is gonna have probably a 4K option on that too if if Platonic chooses to do that. And that's kind mm-hmm. of just the whole way I feel about the PS4 Pro in general. It doesn't it doesn't seem enough. Especially with uh, the Scorpio around the corner. Like, I mean, the one good thing I'll say about the Pro is that the price is fairly low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like... And I th- I th- if I legitimately didn't care about Xbox exclusives, I might be tempted just to settle with a PS4 Pro. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm much more of an Xbox man these days. It, it mm-hmm. feels like it's targeted at people who only are Sony. Like, the really yeah. big Sony enthusiasts. Because anyone else is, is you know, it's not going to feel like a substantial upgrade with the Scorpio next year. And it just feels slightly underpowered for actual 4K gaming. And I think I was I was talking about this uh, with you guys. Um, we were playing Titanfall the other night. Uh, the Rise of the Tomb Raider developers for PS4, they confirmed that it's actually going to have to have three separate graphical options <laughs> in yeah. order to, you know, prioritize different things. Because it can't have all of the above. It's like... You can get 4K, you can get a good frame rate, or above 30 frame rate, which is, I think, more, though, than any of the current versions have. I think it's, like, you know, it's, like, 30 and below. If you choose this mode, it'll be, like, pretty much the same thing at 1080p, except above 45 frames per second the whole time. Right. And then you have the, hey, let's just keep the frame rate the same, keep the resolution the same, but let's put as many, you know, bells and whistles and effects and post-processing on it as we can, and that's, like, the third option. And I, I, I personally, I hate that idea. I hate the idea of having to choose between which graphical flair you want. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get, like, for PC gaming, I know people like to be able to optimise it to their preference. But yep. for me, it's like, 
I think a developer should have the confidence to decide what takes graphical yeah. priority and you know make the most out of the machine they're working on. I know a lot of people are really excited about these options, but I think those are mainly people in the PC crowd. And like not having to make those choices is one of the reasons I like console gaming. Unless you have a like, if I had a nuclear PC, then then you know PC gaming would be a lot more appealing. But I really hate. I, I spend more time tweaking the settings in PC games than actually playing them. Because I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't look quite as good. No, this doesn't look quite as good. Now I'm losing frames. Maybe I'm going to tweak something else. And this is so frustrating. Unless you have a really yeah. powerful computer. You always right. have to lower your resolution when you're playing solitaire. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. T to me, I feel like you shouldn't be putting out this and advertising this 4K until it can truly do it at the level that it deserves to be done at not having to like make trade-offs between different things to get 4k right yeah so i don't know i i i doubt i'll be purchasing one but you never know i mean it is ex exceedingly cheap i mean it's the same price as the xbox one s two terabyte version so right. if somewhere down the line there's a you know a new naughty dog game that looks like 10 times better on the pro that, then I'll think about trading in my PS4 for a pro, but mm -hmm. it's not something that's going to be on my radar for at least a couple years. Yeah. I'm more than happy to wait for the Scorpio. Yep, so um, the other little news tidbit this week, I think uh, well, actually I can think of two um one that we didn't talk about before the show. Um, the other one that we were going to talk about is the uh, just the announcement of Super Mario being on the iPhone in a little timed exclusive, um, and that Miyamoto presented at the uh, Apple event mm -hmm. this week. Um, pretty big deal just for industry news, not really relevant to Rare and Friends per se, but yeah. pretty cool. I, I, think, I think there's a little bit of note just because it's a console holder, you know, or it's a company that is a, you know, a platform holder, I should say, for mm -hmm. games that, you know, we do cover. It definitely. Right. And I do think it's going to play in with their wider plan here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think plus, I mean, this, this opens the possibility for a, for a Donkey Kong runner down the road, <laughs> which I, I personally think Donkey Kong makes a lot more sense. I get why they went with Mario because of IP recognition, mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. Donkey Kong with with blast barrels and minecarts. I mean, it just makes so much more sense as a runner. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe down the line, I think they, you know it's definitely the right move to start with Mario. And I really think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is probably an attempt. I mean, it, it's a really looks like a decent first, looks like a decent phone game, which is something I rarely see. A paid game, no mm. microtransactions, and something that doesn't feel just completely disposable but without making it really good. And I think that's kind of intentional because at the end of the day, this, this piece of software is going to probably be used to drive NX sales. It's like, this is cheap, this is easy to get on my phone, they give you just enough of a taste, and then you kind of want to play a real Mario game, so you might start thinking about getting an NX to have on your side, you know? I, th I get the feeling that might be some of uh, Nintendo's strategy because that's what we saw happen with Pokemon Go. You know, that, like, partially, like I think that's partially. I think it's more that it's just filling up their bank because they know at the moment they can't rely on hardware sales. Yeah, and, you know they've got because like I mean, think Pokemon. It's a little different because I think Pokemon it revitalized a franchise which was 
phenomenally uh, phenomenally successful across multiple mm -hmm. formats 20 years ago whereas Mario I, I kind of think the people who are going to be downloading Mario are the kind of people who already played Mario when they were a kid well, and it's going to be like oh look this is fun it's only a few bucks yeah um, but that, that, that still gets people excited about it again like I saw that happen with Pokemon Go. A lot of people who weren't into po who were into Pokemon, a lot of more casual people at one point. Then they get excited about it again, and then they want to go buy the games. And I, I'm pretty sure they've talked kind of talked about that before for their mobile games. Is that they kind of you know they didn't want to put anything existing of theirs on it. They wanted to do new experience and something that could you know strengthen their brand and make mm -hmm. people want right. to buy their hardware. So it's, it's, right, which is good. Yeah, I think it's because, less of seeing smartphones as a competitor and seeing them as like an advertising platform. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best way to look yeah. at it. Yeah, which I, I do. I mean, from the start, I applauded their commitment to create an original software for mobile platforms mm -hmm. because they said, you know, from the start, this is what their plan was. Because if you if you play stuff like Sonic One on iOS or Android, even though it, it's like technically the best version it's mm -hmm. just it's hard to play on a little right. screen with touchscreen controls mm -hmm. and um i think if they just ported you know mario world or something it's just yeah no that's and not what i'm looking for yeah nintendo yeah. wants you to buy their hardware to get their full experience this is like yeah. the bite size this is going to be like the bite-sized games that like make sure that they're of a quality that's a nintendo but not not quite all the way of the experience you would you would get with a with a full Nintendo handheld or console, so that way it feels like, hey, this is the upgraded experience. I'm getting really into this, but maybe I should, you know, put down some money and get the full experience with whatever's out on the NX or whatever they end up calling it. Anyway, that's yep. that's kind of what I think why they're doing it this way. And I don't think anyone thinks that like you know, and Nintendo's going to turn into like some big mobile phone juggernaut and only focus on that. I don't think that's their plan with this. So, you know, calm down, people. Nintendo's not doomed. People have been saying that since... I don't know what. Like, Nintendo 64? <laughs> They're still around. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, so, Jeff, you said there was one other tidbit you wanted to talk about? Yeah, and that was uh, the announcement of the Nesbox emulator ah, being submitted to the Windows Store for Xbox. Oh, yeah. If the, yeah the, sort of relates to us, just because we cover a lot of old games. It does, but I, I don't want people to get their hopes up too much, because I don't know if this is even going to go up, or if it goes up, if it'll stay up for very long. Well, it's, it's more interesting to news-wise, I think, just yeah. to kind of see the precedent set mm -hmm. whether it does go up or doesn't go up. Yeah, so there's already an still N64 emulator uh, submitted as well. Yeah. Certification. So this is. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for anyone who doesn't know, because I I personally think it's a bad name. The name's confusing. Uh, Nesbox actually runs uh, NES, SNES, uh, Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive, and Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games. So you know, not that we would ever run pirated software, but it's interesting no. for homebrew possibilities, of course. Right. An original <laughs> game based on yeah. an old, and yeah. You could, you could um, and actually, I think it's called Universal Emulator, uh, the the version that's going to be on the Xbox Store. Um, okay. Because doing a little bit of research, the Windows Phone 
8.1 and Windows 8.1 version with Nesbox. But the uh, the actual app they submitted for approval is called Universal Emulator. Yeah, I, I believe that Nesbox is now the name of the developer, and then Universal mm -hmm. Emulator is the name of the app. Yep. And it 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 passed it passed certification, meaning that it's up on the Windows Store, but it hasn't shown up on the Xbox Store yet. Yeah, there might be a I couple did. more steps for for them with that before we know whether it'll be allowed there. Yeah, I did check into it again last night, um, and it it got approved for Hololens, um, and actually Windows Central ran an article showing them playing it on a yeah I saw that on a Hololens. <laughs> Yeah, so. that uh, like I, I almost wish that they wouldn't be doing stuff like that because Windows Central is a very big site because now it's gonna put like eyes on it from people who might not approve. <laughs> yeah, well. I was like, wait till it to be up before you do the article, so some people get to download <laughs> it before it gets taken down. <laughs> yeah, it'll be I interesting mean, no, to I'd... see. It's technically legal hard software. Yeah, you know, it, and it's, it's not modifying anything. Yeah, there's nothing illegal about emulators. It just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Particular and I I have a hard time thinking that at least very long term that Microsoft will risk damaging relationships with other uh, software companies by having it up there for that amount of time. Yeah, I I just don't know because like I said, it's been available on the Windows Store for years. Um, yeah, no. That... And and Xbox is running Windows, so it's it's hard, like you said, versus yeah. having something in the living room that is a console, a dedicated gaming machine. Computers and consoles are a whole different audience, and you know you lose, like computer gaming. As much as as vocal as PC gamers are, they're still a very small minority in compared to people who play games on consoles. And yeah. I just think that even if it's not Nintendo, there's companies like Capcom who are literally selling ROMs off legally and officially, and like stuff like the Mega Man Collection, you know, then have another uh, official option on the official DOS board where you can basically download an emulator and play those games for free. Yeah. So, well, if you think about it, the responsibility of Capcom then is to then is to go after the ROM hosting sites. So. Yeah, but that's it, everyone knows that that's impossible. <laughs> it is. You can take down the site, so the there's no way they to can actually, actually legally do it. But I, I think I it's know. more of I don't think legally does anyone have the right to tell Microsoft to take it off the store. No, but that doesn't mean that someone might not make a phone call and be like, hey, I don't think this should be on the store. You know, it, this is bad for the relationship between our two companies. Could you please take it down? And that's what I think will probably happen. I don't think it's going to be like lawsuits or any legal precedent, but I think that someone high up will make a phone call at some point, and it could get taken down because of that. Yeah, well, it'll e be interesting. Even to if see. that does happen, I hope it at least slips through certification and is available yeah. uh, for like a few days at least. So yeah. if we can at least all get it downloaded, then it's there. Yeah. Even if it's not there for and the future, I'm sure, and there'll still be tons of like you know dev mode side loading because because of that, but that's just all you know. I don't think that that's going to bother people as much because dev mode is something that you know ninety percent of people who own an Xbox aren't going to mess with. Whereas ninety nine percent, yeah, yeah, is if an emulator goes up on the App Store, that's going to show up as one of the top most downloaded apps, and everyone is going to see that. I mean, look yeah. at the Android store. There's always emulators in, like, the top apps top apps for games. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that someone pointed out, I'm not sure if it's true, but I heard that, the, that 
there is a rule that you can't submit things that could be um, argued to be games through the Xbox App Store. Right. And that they could use that as a reason to block it, saying, like, well, this is not exactly an app. This has game functions, so we don't want this on the yeah. Xbox Store. So there's... That's, that's a tricky situation <laughs> for this one, just because it is technically just an app and it doesn't launch into a game mm -hmm. it doesn't launch into a specific game but yeah mm -hmm. that will be an interesting thing to see if it passes yeah. for that I hope so uh, but you know there's always the virtual console <laughs> yep oh one thing I found out about the virtual console oh the super the, I don't know if you knew, knew this but I found I, there, I, it was a discussion about ROMs I think it was in the same thread where this was being discussed but apparently, you know, you can't extract ROMs from the virtual console, and people have downloaded them and extracted the ROMs. So someone <laughs> extracted the ROM from Super Mario Brothers and compared it to the one, the one that you can like download from like you know Dope ROMs or whatever, and they're mm -hmm. like exactly the same. They even have the original third-party copy header header <laughs> from like the 1990s. Wow! So Nintendo literally oh. just downloaded their own ROM and put it on the virtual console. <laughs> That's weird. See, that wouldn't surprise me as much with other companies, but with Nintendo, that's weird because you'd think just out of pride they would just you know dump their own ROM. Yeah, and yeah. That's quite time. weird. I mean, I don't. I think it was only with Super Mario Brothers, so I don't think it's. It might have just been like a lazy intern, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious that there's a copy header information from like some old 90s copier that people used to dump ROMs with in the 90s stuck onto the <laughs> official virtual console release. That's, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Alright, well shall we head into our topic? We, we've run a little long. Oh yeah, we have, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, where did we leave off at what the... Um... The King Bee boss fight. Mm -hmm. So we're... Was it King Bee? Because we got no, just kidding. The no, no, crow. No, 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 crow, ghost crow. Yeah, ghost Sorry. crow. Yeah. So we only we should just have the final world, the well, you know, the the real final world that doesn't really count, but still technically its own world, and then the lost world. Yep. So K rules keep. K rules keep. Um, so this world is probably one of the more challenging worlds, I'd say. Um. <laughs> Yep. From a map screen perspective, which I don't know if we... I guess we kind of talked about the other one's map screens. Um, this one's up at the very top of the island. You can see DK Island in the background, which is kind of cool. And the green, ominous sky. Um, there's some cool rendered crocodile heads or Kremlin heads in the side of the mountain that the castle is built on top of. Um, yeah and some kind of red and blue lighting effects. Mm-hmm. Um, the first level is Arctic Abyss. Right. And um, if you are going by uh, World Order, if you haven't skipped ahead to the Lost World, then this would be the first ice level. Hmm. Wow, oh, really? I think I realized that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't either. <laughs> This is also, as I said before, where things start to get more hazy for me because I have not played these levels in quite some time. Mm -hmm. it's mo so mo unbelievable. Most me. times when I start replaying Donkey Kong Country 2, you know, I I 
don't get all the way to the end like I do with the first one. I usually get to like, you know, the, uh, wow, what was the other, oh, I'm having a brain fart, what was the name of the, uh, Web Woods. Web Woods. Isn't the name of the level, but not the world? What's the name of the world? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, the, um, Gloomy Gulch. Gloomy Gulch, yeah, yeah it was a Gloomy something, yeah, I usually will get to Gloomy Gulch and not play much more past that, and then move on to something else, and, you know, usually have my fix. So I know that's blasphemy. Which is weird to me because the I think the ice and castle ar uh, archetypes are two of the best in the game. So you'd miss out on all of them. Yeah, I know I'm a terrible person. <laughs> so um, the gimmick with the uh, Arctic Abyss, anyway, uh, you, you spend the majority of the level playing as Engard, on guard, and. Um, and you actually play as him, you know, you transform into him. Uh, it's not like, mm -hmm. you know, some levels where you're riding him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, basically the, the you're in water, normal water, and it just keeps rising up and down. So kind of like, almost like a ship hold level, but with yeah. the ice archetype. Like, this could have just been... <laughs> really, to be fair, this doesn't actually take it for, for the first ice level. It doesn't actually take advantage of the ice gimmick. Like this could have been in a ship hold, but you know, it's not. <laughs> Except you know, it's not. <laughs> but like you know, all the other ice levels, it has you know, like you're running around a lot on the ice, so you got the slippy physics. Whereas this, as I say, it's just the majority of the level you're just on guard in the water. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember it was very Arctic. Indeed yeah. it is. <laughs> um I need visually to... purple and purple and blue. Really. Yeah. The the background yeah. is uh some rendered ice that's purple, the foreground is some rendered ice that's teal, and then the surface of that ice is blue. Um I don't know that it has much parallaxing with the background. I think the background is one solid sheet, but that the uh, the water itself ri raises and lowers, and that um, has some perspective to it, which I think is the, mm -hmm. the main effect. Yeah. Yeah, because much like with um, the hold levels, you know, the water actually, it, it looks... 3D because of the mm -hmm. uh, the layers on the surface of the water, mm -hmm. as opposed to um, the original Donkey Kong Country, the water levels were entirely underwater, so there was no real perspective. It was just, you right, know, there's never a surface. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then the music for this level is uh, another one that's borrowed heavily from an existing piece, which I don't even remember what it's called, but it was used in some sort of. Uh, BBC documentary. <laughs> really? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, we'll have to do a little research on that and maybe post a link to it because it's it's uh, incredible how similar it is. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's all up to you, Jeff. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I guess, Dave, you haven't got anything more to say about this level. Jeff, I any thoughts? Um, not really. It's uh, it's your standard unguard 
water raising lowering affair, which you yeah. know we did in you know a cargo hold level earlier. So um, yeah, a few secrets where if you quote unquote sprint with unguard, whatever that's called, you power charge. He'll uh, that's how you can get your hero coin later on, where you, you want to get to the right as fast as you can before the water level drops. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's maybe the most challenging part of it. Sometimes the hitbox is weird with Unguard, like I think you've probably mentioned before. And uh, so if you're doing, like, a charge attack, you've got a couple frames where you're vulnerable. Um, so that's maybe the most challenging part. Right. Yeah, and it's... um. It's a it's a little bit strange, I've got to say, how like for the final world, it seems an odd choice for a first level. Like it's not bad. It's mm -hmm. just you know you finally get up to the the castle and you don't even enter the actual castle stages for like three levels. Right. If you look at the map yeah. screen, it does look like the first level is located at a cave at the base of where the castle's built. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Ge it does, geographically, but it you're right. Up. Like it's weird that they chose to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, it's fine. It's not it's not a standout, but yeah, it's fine. It's a nice level, yep. and the music, as you said, the music's really good. It is. It is good. Yeah, kind of a new agey, tranquil, underwater theme. Um, so then, the next world, the next uh, level in this world, if we're ready to move Windy on, well. that is Windy Well. Yeah. Um, this one is a pretty interesting one I'd say it's uh an extremely vertical level like like really vertical looking at it on DKC Atlas it's 8000 pixels tall yeah. which is yeah. huge compared to almost any other map we've seen it's kind um, of well a theme I kind of remember with this world in general I remember there being like a lot of vertical levels it always felt yeah. like you were climbing and I think that was intentional mhm mm yeah, to to get yeah. up to the top of the castle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in general, all the mine shaft levels are vertical anyway. Like there's mm, there's true. no horizontal mine shaft level, but I guess this is the tallest and it fits in as you say with a the theme, which I've never actually thought about before. So it's interesting you Hadn't point that either. out, Dave. Really? Yeah. Cuz that's <laughs> one of the things I really remember about it the most is that each level felt like you were climbing the tower and I thought that was kind of cool. cool at the time. That is that is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell, Dave! You're you you you're a smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. So yeah. the um the gimmick, the mechanic of this one is when you jump in certain places or almost anywhere, you start floating. Yeah. And yeah, uh, because it's the wind from uh, I can't remember the name the the stage in the previous world. It's the wind gimmick, but basically vertical instead. Yeah, gusty glade. Yeah. So it's the uh, the wind gimmick. With verticality instead of horizontality, if that's mm -hmm. a word. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it. And and so the challenge is less about the platforming and more about it's kind of the opposite opposite of parachute parrot shoot panic, um, where you're you're in a rather than a free fall, you're in a an uprise, but you're still dodging zingers and a couple other baddies. So. Yeah, and do you, do you don't you get squawks in the second half of the stage? Um, do you? I don't recall. I think you do. Oh, maybe I'm getting confused. No, I don't think in this one you do. Okay, it's probably just one of the bonus stages or something. You do get them in the bonus stage, yeah. Um, right. 
I knew I was Palace. But, um, but yeah, so... Oh yeah, it's... hang on, hang on. Yeah, is this the stage with the Bramble bonus? Yes. Yeah, isn't, is this the only time in the whole game where the bonus stage is a different archetype to the main level? That's an interesting concept. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I can't mm. remember another time in this game, or even the, old, the, the whole series really, where that happened. Hmm. Yeah, well, well, as far as I know, yes. I'd well, maybe look a little further into that at some point, but... Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and it doesn't really make sense on the map. I don't know that there's any <laughs> bramble <clears throat> on the map. Maybe it's, if you think about it as a bonus stage, there must be, like, a little subsurface cave full of bramble. <laughs> Yeah, it's got okay. the uh, the dark blue sky. I don't know, mm. but it, it's a, it's it's yeah, it's just one of them, isn't it? I mean, I guess by potentially it was a bonus stage swap from another level or something. Maybe yeah, it could just be did. that. So, um, but yeah, uh, I I I quite enjoyed this stage. I think uh, it's definitely the toughest of the mineshaft stages, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was really tough. And you have to. Uh, really get your timing right because if you hold down on the d-pad whilst you're in the upwind then it does slow you down a bit and there's a couple mm -hmm. of sections where you really have to like you have to have excellent d-pad timing to get underneath certain enemies right there's a part where you're going between like four crooks and you you, you really have to use that to its fullest it's really yeah. a tricky part yeah um, but other than that, I mean, visually it's the same as the other Minecraft and has the same, or Minecraft mine shaft <laughs> levels. Oh my god. And then, uh, Minecraft the music. DKC, rare invented Minecraft? <laughs> you can play it's as blown. DK in Minecraft now. Um, the Nintendo version. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I think, and not too much more. Um, so then, the next level. Castle Crush. Another vertical level. Um, wow, even taller than the last one. This one's 12,000 pixels. Well, to be fair, th like, this is a an auto-scrolling level, so, like, mm -hmm. it's it's taller by necessity because the floor is moving so quickly. Yeah. And that's the, like you said, that's the mechanic, that's the gimmick for this level, is the floor is rising and it's, it is auto-scrolling. So the challenge comes in platforming left to right to avoid death and enemies. Uh, so, and this is the first castle stage. Mm -hmm. um, it's also this archetype is one of the only examples, and this is a funny little fact not many people mention, but this is one of the only examples in the entire DKC series where you'll just have random floating platforms. Interesting. And no yeah. one ever seems to mention that. If you look, I assume you're looking at the map right now. Yep. Yep, I am too. <laughs> yeah, you see there's like at certain sections, especially like in the big areas between tight tight uh shoots, you'll get um like all these just random square floating platforms with well, torches mm -hmm. and chains on them. Do you yeah. count the underwater ones cuz there's technically floating platforms in underwater stages? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, if you could say in universe they're just, you know, bits of crap floating around underwater. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, no, that's interesting. Th- these theoretically could be attached to, um, you know, one of the walls in the dimensions that aren't really there. Well, the background, though, because the background moves. Yeah, the background is very detached. And it, it can't look yeah, attached yeah. to the foreground because there's, like, uh, torches on them. So I guess it's just black magic. Black, black Kremlin magic. Yeah. <laughs> that's That's got to be it. <laughs> so... Now, the I'm professor interested. from Conquer came over and visited and did some anti-gravity right. stuff. Levi- levitating platforms. <laughs> so, Dave, I'm interested because obviously you haven't played these stages in a number of years. Um, from memory, what are your thoughts on the castle archetype? I remember them being very frustrating. <laughs> Partic- I think I remember um, the last level the most. I won't talk about it too much but I remember I think it was Toxic Tower that's the one I remember the most because I think it was I was stuck on it the longest I remember okay, kind I of enjoying I remember them easy. being challenging but kind of enjoy enjoyable some of the other ones like like this uh, this one we're talking about now I don't think I was stuck on it for too long I remember it be kind of being hard but not like in a bad way I don't know it's it's been a while as I said yeah um, I mean I I, I what I was actually asking, I should have made it clear, um, was aesthetically. What do you think oh. of this? Art? No, yeah, Sorry. I do. I do like aesthetically. Yeah, I do really enjoy it. The... I think the animated torches are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like we take stuff like that for granted now, but back in the SNES days, the the torches in particular blew me away more than anything else. And I'd never really given that much thought, but they are really cool and they're yeah. in the, both the yeah. foreground and the background are they are they animated on the map that you're looking at yeah yeah like that is so cool i mean compare that i mean as much as i love mario but look at like mario world the little like lumps that come out of the lava they're just you know static sprites <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I mean, this actually are... looks like real if, especially on a crt television this looks like fire yeah, yeah. definitely rear changed the game Mm-hmm. Oh, slightly off talk, slightly off topic, but kind of related. I, I was watching um, the original. I think it was like E three two thousand seven Nintendo press conference. Mm-hmm. And what I was interesting is like they're saying, oh, how many times you know Nintendo changed the game? Like we changed it with the NES with the Game Boy, and then they then we changed it with Donkey Kong Country, and then Super Mario sixty four. And those are the only two games they mentioned. And I thought it was funny. Well, one, it was a rare game. But mm-hmm. still, that even they realized that that was that impactful. That they thought mm-hmm. their two most impactful games were Donkey Kong Country and Super Mario sixty four. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. strange. I, I would have never thought. You know, I mean, personally, I think Super Mario Brothers was a lot more important than DKC overall. So it's interesting they didn't mention that. Yeah, I think it was well, mostly, as I said, mostly they showed hardware and then they showed those two as examples of software that changed the game. Okay. So yeah, uh, I, I I've been on a Nintendo hyped mood lately, so I've been watching some of these older press conferences from Nintendo and <laughs> kind of make me nostalgic for things. Well, for one, when yeah, Nintendo Jeff's used to do E three press conferences. <laughs> Jeff's kind of been the opposite. Jeff's been on a Nintendo down. Yeah, I, yeah. I need them to win me back. I still enjoy going back and watching some of their old stuff. You know, like I love watching. Like the two thousand four E3 where they announced Twilight Princess, mm-hmm. like oh yeah, that's that still gives me goosebumps when I see that and, comes and, out and see with the sword. crowd reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, so but yeah, in general, yeah, 
I'm, I'm I don't know, man. It's like kind of indifferent right now with the NX. Playing Skyward Sword is just getting me so much more excited. As much as I hate the controls, it's just still one of the best gameplay experiences I've had in like a long time. It's a <laughs> just, great game. Just the way it draws you in. It's like I remember the last time I like stayed up too late playing a video game. I usually just get tired and like half fall asleep playing it. Mm. Uh, three days ago, we were playing Titanfall till like. 5 okay, yeah, that's true, but I was kept awake more by talking than anything, and I was really tired. Okay. Like, when I was playing Skyward Sword, <laughs> like, I wasn't Off aware that accord. it was late. I was, like, really, you know, hyped up and, like, alert. And then I just looked at the well, at the time, was like, it can't be that late. I, I, I'm normally, like, completely out of it by now, but, you know, it was that stimulating of an experience to sort of keep me coherent. <laughs> yeah. Which. So, yeah, Zelda well, games often do get like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I miss but that. Especially that one because it keeps moving. Like, there's always enemies and puzzles and stuff, yeah. like, in the in between. And that's a lot of it, I think, for that one. Right. Um, that, I mean, I think Skyward Sword has a few flaws, but it is a very good game. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm not denying its flaws, and quite a lot of them for me revolve around the control scheme. But I think, even oh. with the control scheme, I've enjoyed it so much that I think I'm now maybe. Maybe moving it up to my top three 3D Zeldas. I, I, that's how I compare them. I, I can't compare 2D to 3D. It's too hard. Okay, top, top three 3D I could maybe see, because mine would probably be Majora, Wind Waker, and then... Pro, uh, see, I'd probably go with Ocarina just because of how much it did for the industry still. Mm -hmm. but that's that's can... exactly my ranking right there. So that's interesting. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm probably Ocarina number one. Ocarina, uh, Skyward Sword, and then Majora's Mask. Wow. I couldn't put Skyward above Majora. Like, I do really like Skyward, but Majora to me, it's just the perfect game. It's yeah. just... I, I wouldn't change a thing in that game. I liked I'm... it... To me, the dungeons are one of my favorite parts of a Zelda game, and only having four dungeons, to me, yeah, but, uh, makes but me they're, they're, they're all great. They're all incredible, though. I'd rather have four excellent dungeons than eight average ones. It's, it's right. a great game. I'm not. I'm not trying to knock it. It's still in my top three. I just, <laughs> just for me, I felt like the experience and world of Ocarina of Time and Skyward Sword were better. Despite Skyward Sword's crappy controls. <laughs> well, you haven't finished Skyward yet, so yeah, yeah maybe we'll we see. maybe we could do like a, a Zelda spin-off when uh, you finish that <laughs> yeah. retrospect. Yeah. And then Wind Waker's probably on the bottom for me. <laughs> then like Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Really? Yeah. Worse I'm playing Twilight. through that right now, and I it it's just it's one of my favorite Zelda games. I love it so much. So much better than Twilight Princess, Dave. Come on. <laughs> I find the sailing, I don't know, they've improved it, it used to take way too long to get to places, and I still don't like the art style all these years later, it really? still bugs me. Oh, I, I, I it think now. it's one of the most beautiful first party Nintendo games ever made. Yeah. I think it's it's up there with Mario World and like, um, Metroid Prime. I think it's, it mm -hmm. could have been so much better with even using a cell shaded cartoony style. I just—I don't even know what it looks like. It doesn't even really look chibi. It just looks weird. Like tried to create their own art style for it. I don't uh, know. Which I hated at the time, but I love it. Really? I absolutely love it. See, if they had went with a more cartoon, more Japanese-ish style, I probably would have liked it better. 
but the eyes and just looks so weird to me. I don't know. The, some characters look really well in it. Like I like the bird people in that game. They're my favorite mm-hmm. things. That they, they actually look really well in the style. But to me, Link just looks like I I don't know what he he doesn't look human. <laughs> it freaks no, me. Out. I mean, he doesn't. But well, know, he's not human. He's Hylian. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean. He, like I I don't know. It's it's not. I I do like it for what it is, but. Something about the game just doesn't... All the 3D Zelda games are good. I just probably enjoyed that one the least. Hmm. Okay. That's my Zelda well, tangent. So, uh, <laughs> Clapper's Cavern is the next level. <laughs> yeah? Um, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Clapper's Cavern. Right. Now, this is awesome. This really takes advantage of the ice archetype. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's basically like um, Lava Lagoon... But the other way around, well, not the other way around, but different. Whereas in Lava Lagoon, Clapper would cool down the lava or red hot water, I guess, into mm-hmm. normal water. Um, in uh, this stage, he cools down the the cool water so much that it becomes ice that you can run across. Yep. And uh, it it makes for some really fun standard platforming you know just the slippery surface and the timer kind of is is a two part two things to kind of manage and think of when you're running and uh it i don't know i really like this one i think it's a fun one and it's it's fun to speed run because you can slide so much and time things um you know i don't know yeah if you know what you're doing you can get through the stage really quickly Mm mm-hmm which is fun, which is kind of, you know, what they always try to do with these, uh, with most of their levels, with the exception of Web Woods. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, otherwise, pretty much the same aesthetic, same music, obviously, as the previous yeah. Ice level. Um, not, not a whole lot more beyond that for me. I don't know if you guys got anything. Yeah, just another Ice level. I remember it feeling a little bit abrupt because you know you have all these castle levels and then there's like that ice one yeah. well it I d- mean again as Jeff said before it, it makes sense on the map because you yeah. can see it's like the bit of mountain in between the lower castle and the higher castle yeah it just doesn't feel as much like you're climbing as the other ones but maybe you're not I mean you climb a little bit but yeah, oh yeah this, still this is top, bottom to top it's the most horizontal of this world but it's still climbing yeah mm-hmm Yep. Um, and then, you know, there's a little bit of challenge in the second half with the uh, the red or the pink crunches. And th- that's maybe the other challenge to the level. Mm-hmm. Because I think are... what's interesting about this stage actually is in terms of how well it repurposes things. Like um, they bring back, oh, what's his name? It's not Lockjaw. It's the pink Lockjaw, the one who gets you instantly. Yeah, let me see if I can. Um, so bring him back from uh, slime climb, yeah. and obviously they bring Clapper back with a with an altered function. I mean, Snap, any other Snapjaw, Snapjaw, that's it. Yeah. Any other platformer would have had. Uh, uh, th- they would have brought back Clapper to do the same thing again and just reuse the the lava lagoon idea. Mm-hmm. But what Rare did is they they took the basic concept and sort of you know twisted it around so it was. As I said before, turning water into ice, which is cool. Yep. Yep. Very clever. 
cool cool use of the gimmick so but yeah that's uh that's pretty much it for that one um and then the next one is chainlink chamber our next vertical castle archetype Lots this one i remember gave me a lot of troubles it's uh yeah a lot of chains and you're you're <laughs> climbing chains and that's kind of that is the gimmick the platforming challenge is climbing chains yeah i mean this is uh pretty much a rigging level but with the castle yeah aesthetic um mm -hmm. and in my opinion it's the most well designed of all the rigging levels if you include them but mm -hmm. obviously it's very challenging as well mm -hmm. and is 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 this the first appearance of the rock crock barrels which take an entire life um, yeah possibly i think i think it is or at least where they're in the main portion and not like really buried away. Yeah, well, I think before I think the only other time they've appeared is in the Lost World. Again, like I said before, okay, if yeah. you're playing it, if you're playing it in logical order and not skipping ahead, then yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think it is. So that's an added challenge, especially <laughs> in that area. If you get stuck, like they'll they'll hit you multiple times before you can really regain your bearings <laughs> and get out of the way. <laughs> and each one, each hit is literally a, a life. It's it's a weird thing because technically you're losing a life as if you died, but it lets you keep playing. So it's a strange alternative to being a one-hit kill, even though it is technically. Yeah. It's a slightly less unfair one-hit kill. Yeah. Except that you could lose, like, three lives within a matter of seconds instead of <laughs> multiple attempts at a level. <laughs> um, but yeah. I suppose, um, I, I suppose at this point as well, it's like they're kind of just throwing everything at you because, to be fair, they've already given you the wrinkly save that was earlier in the stage, earlier in the world. Mm -hmm. So at this point, it's <clears> like... You know, you can save after every stage, and it's like, yeah. I remember the first time when I was playing through this when I was about nine, nine or ten, and uh, each individual stage would take me about five lives to get through, if not more. But I could constantly be getting yeah, game totally. over. Pretty much the same for me. Uh, Dave, any thoughts? Um, remember it being hard. That's about it. It is another cool. I mean, it's, all these levels are pretty much. I remember about the same things. I remember them being hard but uh, entertaining and having pretty cool gimmicks to them. Uh, yeah. Don't remember much more than that. I mean, I'm looking through the map and I, you know, I remember. It kind of brings out like a little bit more memories. I remember the bees being kind of a pain. Um, but zingers. Yeah, it's. I don't have really clear memories on it. I, I really should be a good host and just like beat Webwoods in the virtual console so I could have played through these levels this week. <laughs> but I didn't because I was playing Skyward Sword instead. <laughs> Gotta do your so field I'm research. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. But, yeah. Well, um, if, yeah, if you don't have much else to say no. about it, then Let's move on. The next level is Toxic yeah, no. Tower. This is the one I probably remember the most in the world. Just because I remember being stuck on it for a quite a bit of time. <laughs> this one's <laughs> tricky. Yep. 
It's got that cool, cool kind of green um, water just rising up. And I think yeah. the reason I remember it too is that just aesthetically, it is really kind of cool to watch this level happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because the layers, the layer of green, I guess acid. I always call it acid. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, rising even like behind the windows. So as it rises up, you can see the green yeah. uh, acid looks like enveloping the windows from behind, mm-hmm. and that really sort of adds to the stress. Like it, it makes it look higher than it is. Yeah. So you can constantly off in the on distance. Edge. It's kind of cool. Um, I did just notice right off the bat that this is a, another level that has a. Uh, Bramble bonus stage. Um, oh, okay. So, but still, it's a God, they really didn't want to create bonus stages with the castle archetype, did they? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> um, weird. Uh, so, this one, it's interesting because, and we'll talk more about it in the Lost World, but this one is one where you you transform into most, if not all, of the animal buddies. Um yeah, Trim. all of the, all of the playable ones. Yeah, obviously you don't transform into like Clapper. Or <laughs> right, 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 right. But I'm trying to think if you <laughs> turn yeah. into Rambi. I think it might just be the three. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just, um, Squitter, Squawks, and and the Spider. Yeah. So oh, no, wait. no Rambi and on guard. Yeah, Ratley, Ratley, Squitter, and Squawks. Yeah. Sorry, I got lost there. <laughs> <laughs> like trying right. to look at the map. Um, An interesting thing about this stage as well, uh, which makes it harder than Castle Crush in a way, is in Castle Crush, if the if you get hit by an enemy or if you hit a like uh, animal barrel, you know mm-hmm. anything that temporarily freezes you, um, the Castle Crush level, the the platform would either freeze or lower a little bit. Yes. While the animation plays out, whereas mm-hmm. in this stage the acid just keeps rising no matter yeah. what. So you really have to be quick. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, there's no safety zone in this stage. It's pretty stressful. Yeah, I, um interesting randomly yesterday I was on Twitch and somebody was speedrunning DKC two and this is the level they were on when I tuned in. Um and they were doing all sorts of weird double jumps with Rally that I've never seen. Um so I'm gonna have to look up that and how to do it, but he was basically, rather than having to supercharge and jump for some of those sections, he was able to just jump to a high point midair and then do some button combination, and then jump again like a true kind of banjo kazooie esque double jump, huh. which was interesting to watch <laughs> because he was, this guy was just climbing really fast. I'll have to check. I'll have to um, see. I've, 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 I've quite often tuned into uh, DKC2 speedruns on Twitch, mm-hmm. but I usually just watch like the first couple of worlds and then get distracted by something else. Right. So yeah, I'll have to check one of these. Check him out or something, or, or mm-hmm. a similar speedrun. Yeah. Um, what was his? Do you remember what his best time was for like? You know, it usually says on the side the personal best. Yeah, it didn't have. It didn't have that. It only had the current time. Oh, okay. So, no idea. I, I would have I <laughs> stuck around. I should have stuck around and seen. But. Because, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, not not too much else about this one. It's, it is very challenging. Um, 
you're, you're turning into the different animal buddies and you're just trying to outrun that essentially the clock of the rising acid and there's a lot of enemies you have to kill or jump off of really um, and a lot of long platforming jumps as rally so it uh, it is challenging it's fun but tricky but other yeah. than that it's pretty standard this is another one that has the floating platforms that you were talking about earlier <laughs> yeah so I was saying it seems to be the castle stages that Chain Link Chamber didn't have too many, but yeah, yeah. this. It almost, uh, it honestly, it almost looks like a Mario level. If you look at it, in some ways, it reminds me of uh, some of the castle levels and like new. Yeah, I was gonna Mario say Brothers. the Mario World castles look yeah. a lot like this. <laughs> <laughs> Take a little, a little uh, inspiration. Yep. So yeah. Anyway, so this is the final sort of, I guess you say, regular action stage. Mm -hmm. uh, of the game because after this, I mean, I know you've got that that small stage, but we'll get to in a minute in the next world. But that's more of like a, it's it's not, it's a bit weird because it's like a race. And, mm -hmm. But uh, so after this, uh, you get to like one of the best practical jokes in any rare game, mm -hmm. where you're at the very top of the castle. The level name is Stronghold Showdown, so you're really geared up for like an epic fight, mm -hmm. and then it's just. Donkey Kong lowered on a rope and being yanked back up. <laughs> yeah, you're like what? It's uh, I remember the first time I got to that and I was like, what just happened? Did I win? And no, <laughs> no, I did not. And then I went up to the flying croc and I was like, oh my god! And I I thought at that point there was going to be like a full world. I thought like the croc itself would have a bunch of stages yep. in it, which kind of a shame they didn't do that but in a way I guess pacing wise <laughs> yeah and this yeah. looks like there's like a ton of room on there too like looking mm -hmm. around and then you start in like a level and then you're like and the fact that you have one level it like really makes you believe that too it's like oh my gosh I, I'm, I, maybe this is just like you know DK1 when I'm just going to the boss but then you see that first level it's like it's a full world yeah and, so it's yeah. like a second practical show <laughs> <laughs> oh the master for trolls yeah, so you so you go up into the flying croc immediately after that. Essentially, what's a little cutscene, and like you said, there's one world or one level in the world, and it is uh, Screech's Sprint, which is a real bastard of a level. Yep. It can be, yeah, it really can be. Um, it's like in instantly, you know, from the start of the stage, it's like, okay, there's a cat of nine tails in a very 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 thin section of bramble mm -hmm. where there's barely any platform to land on and yep. then a cloak throwing TNT Kremlings yep. <laughs> and that's within it's... the first three seconds right and you, you're here at this part with this really challenging bramble platforming and you're like oh god it's going to be one of these and you, you kind of make your way through quite a bit and get to the halfway point and then all of a sudden <laughs> you turn into squawks and it's a completely different level. Yeah. Um, and the music changes, which is kind of a bummer, but for a, a race, I guess it makes sense. Um, it kind of yeah. is much more urgent than the default sticker bush symphony. Yeah, and it's uh, again, it's like it's it's a good tune, and it's uh, it's interesting that Dave went to the effort to create a whole new tune just for. A very small section of a stage, just right. like he did with the Rambi run. That's true. Yeah. Because David Wise is a god among men. 
indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, so then from that point on, it's it's literally a race against uh, what's the name of this thing? Screech. Um, and if you try to do the race as the bananas tell you to go, kind of the path, it's really difficult and, and it's hard to win. You have to learn where there's some hidden uh, barrel cannons that will essentially get you just enough of a lead that you can comfortably beat him. But it's a tough race, and I this is probably where I died the most as a kid. Yeah, I remember struggling with this one too. Mm-hmm. See, if I was a developer at Rare, I'd have like just had, I'd have included it that you could just shoot uh, Screech with an egg, <laughs> just, just just like not advertise the fact, but have it just hidden away. So if you know what you're doing, you can shoot him, maybe slow him down. But yeah. I guess that would make it too easy. So right. Um, what makes this extra difficult is unlike the target. What was the what was the name of the minecart? The the roller coaster stage with the race. Uh, hold on. It was rickety race. Right. So with rickety race, you could um, you, you could uh, like just, you didn't have to win the race. You just had to get to the end of it. But in right. this stage, if you if you come second, then you die. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty brutal. <laughs> uh, it's just like oh, I don't know. I get, I can see why they did it, but it's a very odd choice for the pen penultimate stage of the game. Yeah, it it is, but it is challenging, and maybe that's maybe it was meant to be earlier, and they just realized it was too tough. I I don't know, unless I mean it could have been planned for here, but yeah. Uh, as far as visuals, we've talked about the music, we've talked about the gameplay. Um, visually, this one is interesting because it's, uh, it is a bramble stage, but it looks to be at sunset. Um, kind of indicative of the sunset of the game, the end of the game. Mm -hmm. um, the tones are, are kind of oranges and reds and pinks. Um, and, you know, even, even the bramble itself, rather than being green, is tinted, I guess, I don't know, like a, a weird orangey... Yeah. Brown. Yeah, sunset, like it, it's, Sienna. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's an autumnal bramble. Like it seems like it's dying, but yeah. unfortunately, that doesn't gel on the map screen. It's uh, green. Yeah, it is a little weird. <laughs> I, I do think it fits the level though. Just something about like when you go into that level, see everything kind of brown, looking like that. It's like, oh, this is going to be a really hard level. This is a bramble level. Everything looks even de more depressing than before. I mean, not that it was depressing, but everything looks kind of depressing. So this mm -hmm. level is probably going to make me depressed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Right. So, but the, but then after uh, when you finally beat that, um, mm -hmm. you actually access uh, call it the last boss. I'd say like sort of the the the, the proper last boss. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's something else later on, but yeah, this is what most people would think of as the last boss of the game. Yeah. Uh, you finally catch up with Captain K. Rule in the Flying Croc. Which Indeed. Is so weird. Like, if you think the first game you are fighting a king on a pirate ship, and now the <laughs> second game you're fighting a pirate captain in a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> right. In an alligator, a crocodile shaped. It's all, it's all right. like a sneak preview of what the next game's going to be, because he's got like this technological thing, and then he's like a, you know, inventor doctor in the next game. 
mm-hmm. has a pirate ah. ship in the first one, and then he's a pirate in the next one. I don't know. I'm not sure if that was intentional. That's, that's, no, that's an interesting. <laughs> uh, I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because in the third game he's wearing like the pilot goggles, isn't he? As part of his scientist. Uh, that are, yeah, those. I mean, like, as always, like safety goggles, goggles but yeah, yeah, some, something. But you know, yeah, there's kind of a little bit of a connection. You know, he's in yeah. like a technological thing, and then he becomes a scientist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I so, love it. Um, this is sorry, current. tough. I was gonna say this is a tough boss fight. Oh, yes, yes, it is. I think I think at the start of the fight is actually easier than the original K. Rool fight. Uh, once you get the timing down, but the third wave is horrendous. Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. so hard so quickly. The fact not you have counting to like the nine... secret, not counting the secret bosses. Like I think it's definitely the hardest uh, boss fight of the three. Yeah, it's. Oh, I thought I thought the secret one was a lot easier. Uh, yeah. Well, I've honestly pretty sure I've never beat the secret one. <laughs> So, you know, I, I struggled way more with this one, but that may just be really? that I did this one so many times before I got to the secret one that maybe it just yeah. I think a lot of it too easier. is it, do, it does train you, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one. Well, I mean, the thing is with this boss. I mean, we should explain like to people who may may not have played it. Um, basically, K. Roll's shooting uh, cannonballs out of his blunderbuss. Is it called? It yes. is a blunderbuss. Yeah. Yeah, so he's shooting cannonballs out, and uh, you just have to kind of like uh, wait. Like some of them come out with spikes on, or some of them come out, you know, sort of at speed, and you kind of just have to sit and wait for the safe one that you can pick up, mm-hmm. and then you have to try and throw it as he starts sucking in his blunderbuss. Which <laughs> I don't know if that's a real feature. Can you just vacuum? <laughs> no, but, no. But um, <laughs> that'd be pretty impressive technology if you could. Right. Reload. Um, okay. <laughs> So you have to try and like, as he's trying to suck you in, suck you off, um, you have to like throw your balls right at him, and uh, <laughs> it can get very difficult because if there's something blocking in the way, like if there's another spike ball on the floor, it yeah. can be very difficult. And right. then, and that's just the first phase, and then the second phase it goes on to uh, like th- they start spinning in different patterns and bounce they're, they're different, yeah. Yeah, thankfully it's not RNG. Like it's a set pattern, so you just have to learn the pattern. Yeah. And I believe now I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Chad from DK Vine has beaten this blindfolded. Wow, <laughs> that's I'm impressive. Pretty sure that was like an old fun fact he said a while back. Hmm. Which is incredibly impressive. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Hey, uh, a brief update. Um on the emulator situation. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news, yeah. Um, uh, apparently it has been unpublished and Microsoft sent that guy a message saying he needs to remove the Xbox feature and resend it so he can have it on everything except for Xbox. Bummer. The dream is dead. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just saying, I called it. Don't you guys not to get your hopes up. Yep. So. Oh, Dave, you got me so excited over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you it might not happen. <laughs> but Aww, so that's, yeah. that's really that's a bummer. Oh well we can talk more about that off air. Okay. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> okay. Well there you I go. Know, you but, but I figure that you know, by the time this goes live everyone's gonna be like looking for it and wonder where it is. And yeah, that's Yeah, no no no. That's where enough. it is. It's, it's 
probably not going to happen because apparently the Windows 10 version is even got removed now um, even though that was live for a little bit and so they've removed all of that and uh, basically sent the guy a message saying hey please remove Xbox as a supported device then you can resubmit hmm bummer so, yep anywho uh, you can continue that's my breaking news <laughs> no but <laughs> interrupt anything Um, yeah, so um, some of this boss fight. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> my, my as, biggest... as you move deep sorry, oh, go on. Uh no, I was gonna say my biggest struggle was always when you do throw the ball back into his blunderbuss while he's vacuuming it, um you have to be at a certain distance for it to reach him. But if you're too close, you'll get sucked in. And if you're too far then it'll just fall short. And so I always struggled with that and then occasionally my thumb would just be hitting slightly up and then you know Diddy or Dixie would throw the ball at like an arc instead of straight over and I don't know I always struggled yeah, with that yeah especially with Dixie because her throw mechanics slightly different to Diddy mm-hmm. I think Diddy was a little easier to do a proper throw yeah um, yeah so um, and when you get to the uh, third wave of this boss um he starts shooting out these like gas clouds as mm-hmm. well, and um, the I believe the blue gas clouds f- uh, freeze you, the red gla- uh, gas clouds slow you down, and mm-hmm. the purple ones reverse your controls, which yeah. is something I hate. When yeah. it's done in so many games, and I oh, it always annoys me. Mm-hmm. It's a cheap gimmick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and those are. Those are really tricky. Like you have to still have Dixie if you really want to <laughs> avoid those, because with Diddy you have to time them absolutely perfectly to jump over them. Whereas Dixie you can jump and float and escape them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, tricky. I, I'm I'm actually I'm playing it right now and I'm on the final hit. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Good job. Good job, Kev. You can you can beat Donkey Kong Country too while podcasting at the same time. Exactly. It's more than I can do. <laughs> I've literally just been clicking on a, on the stages as we play just to get a look at the aesthetic because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, to me that's less effort than loading up DKC Atlas. That's <laughs> so uh, incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you beat this and you get the. Uh, I mean, unless you guys want to keep talking about it. I'm good. Uh, I'm yeah, so you beat it, you get the credit roll, you get the character parade, you get all that stuff. Um, oh, don't forget Donkey Kong Uppercut and K Rule. Oh, right. Yeah. You, you free him, he gets down, he punches him up through the ceiling of the croc, and then he basically tumbles down the side of the mountain of Crocodile Isle, and the sharks get him. Which I've just done. Good job. <laughs> Can you actually hear that? Yes. <laughs> okay. I have my volume turned way down so it doesn't pick up on my mic. Okay. Well, there you go. You just got the video flagged. <laughs> Dang it, Kev. <laughs> What the <laughs> as long as we're not earning revenue on it, we're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so that pretty much completes the main adventure, but uh, there is the Lost World. Yep, not to right. be confused with Jurassic Park. No, the, the boss <laughs> is a T-Rex. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so, about f- go ahead. I was going to say, so the Lost World is interesting because you could technically 
if you really wanted to beat the levels in any order. It's not your standard world where you enter at one point and progress one level at a time. You enter through, uh, was it Clubba? Through his kiosk? And yeah. uh, there's one in each world except the first one, I believe. And yeah. you uh, you go just into the world through him at one point, play that level, and then you return and, and, and do it in each world subsequently. Yeah. Beat all the levels, get to the final boss. The yep. super secret my, final boss. My, my only problem with the way the Lost World was set up was um, if you want to replay the levels quickly later on, it can be annoying to have to, like... You know, go to a stage, then back out, go back to the main world, get higher Funky's flights, fly to a different world, yep. and then, like you know, go back through Clubber again. Mm-hmm. So, but it, but it was an interesting, I guess, way of doing it in terms totally. of like you just have you pay him fifteen Krem coins to access. Uh, there's all there's seventy five Krem coins in the game, so you right. need to get every single Krem coin from all the bonus stages and bosses mm-hmm. to access every single one and that's their way of soft locking it so you couldn't possibly get to the secret boss before you've beaten the main boss yep, yep. So, um, and the Lost World actually boasts uh, the only original archetype that we haven't discussed about uh, yeah. we haven't jungle. discussed yet yeah. yep the jungle yep um yeah, so if we just kind of go through this left to right as it appears, um the first one we'd come across would be Jungle Jinx. Um yeah. which is a, a play on Jungle High Jinx from Donkey Kong Country 1, which is cool, cool callback. Um this one is a uh a standard side-scrolling platformer with uh, just a little bit of challenge. A little bit, no. Come on, it's. Uh, I think it's quite a tough level, mate. Especially if you like. I think most people would experiment going to this stage earlier on, the yeah. first time they can go yeah. through. So, and the the, the way the tires, it, the speed of the tires, like mm-hmm. rolling over the spikes that you have to bounce on, it can get quite tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> I think in comparison to some of the other Lost World levels, though, this one's was a lot more beatable. Yeah. Like uh, I, rem- I, yeah. I, re- I remember it being hard, but I remember like you know I remember beating it before I moved on. You know. Yeah, it was I like a late level Donkey Kong Country yeah. level, late late game. Um, now what's interesting about the jungle archetype to me is that the music is a remix of Aquatic Ambience. Yeah. Oh, really? at, least, Which is like... at least references it. It's, it's oh yeah, no, the, the the entire song it's a quite a ambience, a, a different it? tempo, with okay, a few new yeah. beats. Well, yeah, I'm imagining it in my head, like yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's a good point. <laughs> I, I never noticed it's, that before. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I had never thought yeah. of it. I guess I I was aware of it, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, it's because it's it's such a different mix of such an iconic song, you know, that mm-hmm. you just it's it can literally go straight over your head. I didn't notice it until I was like fifteen. Mm, yeah. So. so, yeah, visually, it uh, it strangely like you'd think for something that's a jungle, you'd think it would look more like Donkey Kong Country One, but it uh, you don't have any canopy. So you don't you don't see the top of the trees. You're just seeing the kind of the base of the trees, the yeah. trunks. Um, 
in the background and there's a little bit of I, I don't have it moving here is there a lot of parallax or a little parallax on the background are you in the level Kev uh, I've already completed it let me go back to it <laughs> okay oh my god Kev sorry see it's not that much challenge <laughs> I'm honestly I'm I'm not being one of those annoying podcasters where I'm just not paying attention it's just it's literally I keep jumping on these levels to check out the look and I'm just having so much fun I keep playing right mm -hmm. I've gone back to it Okay. Yeah, there's a bit of parallax. The um Is it three layers there's, or there's uh hang on, are you counting the one the one immediately behind Diddy Dixie, are you counting that? Uh is that is that technically part of the platform they're on though? Yeah it is, yeah. Yeah, okay then then there should be two behind that based on what I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, there's two. There's there's a, a another layer of trees and plants behind them and then mm -hmm. A quite striking background layer of uh, like a light yellowish. Yeah, like sort of. Like it looks like a sunbreak. Yeah. Lines. Oh, that's cool. Actually, actually, let me. I'm not sure if this is a trick perspective. Oh, okay. No, yeah. That's so. The, yeah, it's just two background layers. Okay. I, I thought there was three then, but it was just a really good trick of the the way they were sort of scrolling at slightly different speeds and angles. So. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely it gives off the effect of a deep, lush tribal jungle. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, well, yeah, and I've just beaten it again. <laughs> yeah. So there's uh these spikes are kind of the of of the platforming. I'd say like you'd mentioned that the tires bounce on those. Um, Interestingly enough, there's skulls, uh, which implies things have died on these spikes. Some of them impaled, what, some of them just next to it. It's very dark. It's a little dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I, I think we've covered... That's where Mario died and he tried to do the course. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe Sonic, that's why oh. his shoes are thrown away. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic um, and Earth Jim decaying together. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> for the interest of time, let's try and get through these because I know yeah. we've gotta we're getting close to that ninety-minute mark. Um, black ice battle. Black next, ice battle. And I do not understand this at all because it's not black ice; it's visible. Black ice means invisible ice, and this right. is clearly not black. Right. <laughs> like maybe it is invisible, but there's something blue, bluish behind it. <laughs> okay. Oh well. <laughs> Can't prove they just, it. They just wanted to do the name. You could have just called it blue ice, but black ice is a known term. Yeah. Um, so this one reminds me of those controlled falls like parachute panic, um, but you're sliding down steep hills of ice with some baddies to try and time your jumps. It's, the sliding is really tricky. Yeah, it's a bit of a bastard because there's like, there's uh, what do you call them? You know, the barrel kremlings. They're all They're over the place. They're called clobbers. Clobbers, yeah. Good, good job highlighting that sprite, mate. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got clobbers, you got crooks, you got zingers, you got um, you oh you got the uh, the 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 extra life stealing clobbers which we mentioned mm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's it's actually yeah, it's, this is one of the tougher Lost World stages, I think. Yeah, you can you can sort of cheat a little bit your way through it with Dixie, um, but yeah, it's still still pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, kind of, but then even with Dixie, sometimes, like, if you've got a 
controlled fall, but you're going down a, a section where there's kind of no way of escaping the enemies, right. then it's almost just like a, you know, oh, you can see what's going to happen, but a lot slower. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky. It's extremely vertical, and um, ooh, there's some floating ice platforms. And, uh, yeah, it's a bastard. <laughs> but I think... Yeah, I think for many people this would be their first ice stage as well. Like I said, most of us would have skipped ahead just to, mm-hmm. you know, check yeah. it out. But I don't think I rem- you wouldn't realize you were skipping ahead. You would just think you're completing part of the world. Yeah, I, yeah. I know I the first two I think I did do that with. And then the other ones I found a lot harder and then I think I just... I, yeah, I just wasn't collecting enough creme coins. Yeah. So I or or that, it was ones. one or the other. I know the first two I got to fairly, fairly quickly. And then the other ones, not so much. And I think I actually op- unlocked Animal Antics before I unlocked some of the other ones. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Which probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> um, now, yeah. so should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Yes. Alright. Now, Clubber Carnage, I personally think this is the most difficult stage in the game. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely... It's not too hard right at the very beginning, but... right. Around about the halfway point, it becomes absolutely insane with the yeah. time barrels and everything. Mm-hmm. Like the club, the clubbers aren't the difficult element in the stage; it's the time barrels. Right. Right. That's exactly it. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, first half of the level, first quarter of the level, just platforming, and then suddenly you're hit with. Like you said, the timed, controllable spinning barrels. So you have a timer and you have to aim them at the same time. Um, and that is tricky as all hell. When it's only yeah. like a three second timer on, I think, all of them. And and also, because what, what makes it so difficult is you get to that section and um, there are um, character barrels, which, you know, the ones where mm-hmm. you have to be a specific character to use them. Right. So, uh, yeah. It, it gave me some real headaches back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's tricky. Fun, fa- fun fact about this stage: um, Chris Alcock uh, had to test this level when they did the GBA port, mm-hmm. and he had, and he had to play it through like hundreds and hundreds of times. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Visually, this one is a jungle archetype again, uh, but at, again, looks like maybe sunset or just late afternoon. Kind of a, a sun, sun-soaked sun first layer, whereas before it was kind of similar looking to the background layers. Yeah. And then the same music, I presume, the jungle aquatic ambience remix. Yeah, yeah, same music, of course, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of spikes, a lot of spikes in this level, because everywhere where you're doing barrel cannons, you've got spikes underneath. And there's a lot of zingers that you're dodging when you're doing the barrel cannons, so that is is most of it. The problem is, as well, because you keep dying, and they've got those rock crop barrels, which keep taking your lives off you. It's like you can very quickly run out of lives within one or two tries mm-hmm. yeah so but, but anyway nice. I mean you know you, you, it's it's just one of those you get through it and uh, I mean 
I think with any Donkey Kong Country stage, it's more about perseverance. Yeah. Learn it, repeat, and you'll be fine. <laughs> so, uh, next up is Fiery Furnace. Mm-hmm. Which is, in my opinion, this is actually the easiest of the Lost World stages. Yeah, I don't remember having too much too much trouble with this one. You know, it's, well, it's the new barrel, but the, the new barrel gimmick was actually, to me, a lot easier than any of the mm -hmm. other barrels. Mm -hmm. The D-pad barrels. The teleport, yeah, yeah, the D-pad barrels. Right. Can move them around. Yeah, I I briefly remember this one, but not very much. So I figured that it wasn't too much of a challenge. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like I remember I the gimmick without really like being stuck on the level or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I I would personally say this level's like way easier than Red Hot Ride, you know the balloon yeah. one. I I would agree well, with that, because you're in control and you're not relying on, you know, riding over to an air vent and trying to line it up and all that. Like here, you just get in and you can just move it over to where you need it to be. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's um. I think I think part of the problem with Red Hot Ride was fatigue. Like sometimes mm -hmm. the stretches were so long, you'd just get a little bit bored, and then mm -hmm. you know you'd maybe miss something. Mm -hmm. Whereas yeah. uh, with this stage, it's just it's very fast paced. Uh, so the, these D pad barrels are actually really fun. It's a shame they didn't use them more. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, and it looks like the bonus stage where the hero coin is, which one of the there's only a few where the hero coin is in a bonus stage and not in the world proper. No, that's the um, that is the Lost World gimmick. Okay. Like, is because remember, you 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 need the creme coin to, you need the creme coins to access the Lost World. So, the, oh, so all the to. all the Lost World stages have. Uh, gotcha. Uh, you know, hero coins in the yeah. bonus stages. But uh, the bonus stage is is another bramble one. So this one is a fiery <laughs> archetype and it's a bramble. So, I don't know what. The deal with that is, but that's what's going on. Why do they keep just? I guess they love the look of the brambles so much they just kept throwing them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They are yep. pretty cool. Then you have that. Every time I see them, I just think of you know uh, Dave Wise song, Stolberg Symphony. I can't mm. remember. That's not in this level though, is it? I can't remember the music. No. It, no. It, it's a lava stage, the bonus, Dave. Yeah, the bonus. The bonus music plays in the bonus stage. Right. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Some reason I was expecting it to like change when it went to that. But no. Never mind. Never mind. Ignore me. We're good. <laughs> that's so what we're doing. <laughs> so you beat uh, you beat Fiery Furnace and you get to the one we mentioned earlier, Animal Antics, which is dun, 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 dun. is a very long stage. It's maybe difficult just by length, but. Uh, <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's not impossible by any stretch. No. Probably still the hardest level in the game, though. Right? And Possibly. Even harder. I, I'm it's, pretty sure it's I never really just it. <laughs> It's really just the squawk section, which is, yeah. gives anyone any trouble. And then, like, well, another challenge is, I guess, if you get through the squawk section, then the rattly section after that you're kind of trembling because you don't want to do anything wrong right. so it's easy to make a mistake and I think yeah. that's as far as I've ever gotten I've, got, I've gotten to the rattly stage and then I just screw up and then I just get frustrated and don't want to try it again hmm. well just use the Wii U save scum feature I know I, and I'll probably actually do that if uh, once I get that far I, I'm just trying to 
I'm trying to use as few save states as possible today and just sort of do convenient save states, meaning once you hit a, a place where the game normally saves it, then you save it there, just so you don't have to farm lives and farm coins to save your game. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, and I feel, I feel like I'm not really cheating when I'm doing that. I'm just being respectful of my own time. Well, you know, I think as an adult with, with shit to do, I don't think there's anything wrong with like using save states in an old game. Like, because... I don't know. Right, no, I know. No, I'll, I'll, I'll probably get to the point where, you know, I just want to get past it and we'll <laughs> cheat in places. Like, I feel too, like, especially with animal antics, uh, I feel that it's probably acceptable just to do a save state after you get past each part. So you still have to beat the each part, but... If you let yourself get too carried away, then you're like, you know, anytime you have a difficult jump, you're taking a safe state so you can go right back to it. And then it starts to right. reduce the fun. Because I've, I've gotten to that point with certain games before, and then it just stops being fun because I'm cheating so much. Yeah, so. I did that. The first the first time I beat the original Legend of Zelda, I, I was saving, like, constantly. So yeah, I was quite I would... proud when I went back through it without doing that. <laughs> I had to do that with Adventure of Link, and then I lost, like, my save file. And I've never started uh. again. I got I was almost to the end, I think like the last dungeon, and then I'd lost my save file somehow. I can't remember Ouch. how it happened. But yeah, so <laughs> but I pretty much I, that that game is like impossible without save states. I don't know how anyone No, can it's do it not. <laughs> I did it without save states on really? the uh, GameCube collection. Well, I'm very impressed with you. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> the hardest Zelda game, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So, um, anyway, uh, Animal Antics, one thing I was going to say was uh, that it's a bit weird how, like, the, the archetype keeps changing, yeah. but they keep going back to the jungle one. Uh, I mean, I guess because maybe they hadn't used the jungle archetype much in other stages, but um, I, I thought it would have been maybe a bit more interesting if every single section was a different archetype. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to remind cool. you that you are, in fact, in the Lost World. Yeah, I guess. And that's kind of the last world archetype, so I think I think the idea is that you start in the jungle and you maybe enter a cave and the cave is the ice with unguard, but then when you come back out, you know, you're you're coming out of the, the same cave and you're back in the jungle. Like you went through like a, a temple, a, a ice temple essentially in the jungle. And yeah, then yeah. you find the bramble and you go through the bramble, but then you come back into the jungle from the bramble. Like I, it makes sense logistically, but it would have been cool to see them use all the archetypes. All right. So, the first part, the Rambi part, is ridiculously easy, in my opinion. I mean, it's short, sweet. <laughs> you just get right through it. Um, the Unguard part, I mean, it's okay. I mean, Unguard's, in my opinion, a lot easier to kind of dodge stuff and kill stuff um, because you don't have the platforming aspect you can kind of just move your you can just kind of move him um, mm -hmm. out of harm's way whereas other ones you have to time jumps and watch for pits and stuff um, so as long as you're slow and steady you can get through the unguard part I think pretty easily um, you kind of I think the puffer fish the puffed ups are probably the thing you got to watch out for the most when they explode I assume they explode in this one I actually don't remember but yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah, um, but the, other the, than that, the, like the it's only problem, 
I'd say with On Guard it's just because of the crappy hitbox. Right, that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. But if you can, if you if you've mastered him up to this point, which assuming you've played through the whole game before this level, which you probably would have done most, if not all of it, like I'd say that you probably figured out his weird hitbox situation by this point, and you can, like I said, as long as you take it slow, I think you can do it pretty easily. And then, uh, then you move on to Squitter, um, back in the jungle, and Squitter is another one where it's like, you kind of just build a web across the top and shoot downward, and like, you can kind of avoid everything if you want to, um, or you can just kind of shoot everything from a distance, using up and down and, and right, and so it's, I don't know, another part that I don't feel it's particularly challenging because the advantages of Squitter. Um, but it's Squawks, like you said, is, is the most difficult part because you're dealing with the wind gimmick from Gusty Glade and really narrow bramble paths. Like this is to me this is like the most difficult mm. probably the most difficult part of the entire game. Yeah, oh, for real. Uh, I I think I have gotten part past part four before, but I've never been able to, you know, make it through part five after those rattled nerves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's I've also never gotten to like the very final special boss. Yeah. Unfortunately. But Yeah, so I mean if you can if you can get through what I Bleh. The most interesting part, if you're looking at this technically, or the weirdest part, is that this is the... I think this is the only Bramble stage that doesn't have the Bramble background, it's just the sky. And I'm not sure if that's because they added the uh, the leaves, and they mm -hmm. wanted them to either stand out more, or if just technically it was too many layers and they couldn't do the other layer, I'm not sure. But it's weird to see the Bramble just on a blue blue sky background. Yeah. It's uh, it kind of makes it a bit more. I don't know. I can't think of the word, but <laughs> it's different. It's yeah. it's different. It's a nice. It's different. It's, you know, it's visually. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but but yeah. Uh, are you are you ready to move on, or you got anything more to say about animal antics? Yeah, no, the, the last part is Radley, and it's tricky because you're just jumping off of red zingers over spikes so like if you've mastered that it's not too bad either and then that's it so yeah we can <laughs> we can move on <laughs> yep so after this you get the final duel with k rule which uh i just beat so Good job. <laughs> um this is essentially like a souped up uh like one hit kill match because you only have to hit him once but he goes through a very long and drawn out pattern before you can kill him, shooting mm -hmm. out all sorts of cannonballs. And I mean, I don't know. To me, I find it easier than the main boss because he never moves. He's always in one position. Yeah, that helps and a the, lot. And the pattern is quite easy to learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I think it's around about a minute of firing out different things, and then eventually he shoots out a barrel. You jump on the barrel, you get the cannonball, and then you throw it back at him. And, uh, yeah, and then he's dead as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, visually, I like this this backdrop that they use for this fight. 
Um, it's kind of this weird temple thing with this the the core itself, the crocodile core. Um, just has a really cool look to it. Like I don't know, this beam of energy, and then the gold Kremlin guard statues guarding it. I don't know. It just it's a pretty backdrop. Mm. And yeah. it should be mentioned that he starts out, or maybe the whole fight, but he's like covered in seaweed, just continuity of him falling from the flying croc into the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and um, it's got to be it's got to be mentioned. I think the producers of Lost clearly took heavily inspiration from this fight for the Lost finale. Like <laughs> it's exactly the same. The source of the island is almost identical to the K. Roll fight. Um, Dave, I know you're a Lost fan. Did you did you pick up on that at the time when you watched Lost? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, like the the source of the island. But you know, if you look at it, it's almost like the exact same as the Kremlin source. Huh. Well, I'll have to take have to take a look at that. Never picked it up. Right. And it's like on a metaphysical level, it's the same idea. Like that source is meant to be the source of all sort of life energy. So, but anyway, that's a whole different tangent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then uh, if you kill K. Rule successfully, which, as I say, isn't too hard to do, mm-hmm. uh, finally beat him, and then you are treated to what I think is the best-looking cutscene. Of probably any Super Nintendo game, yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just the the sunset and the island being the sucked dying. underwater, yeah, killing <laughs> all those little Kremlings. Kong's like, it's... yeah, genocide. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, I do wonder quite how they got back to Donkey Kong Island so quickly, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's nice. I don't know, they made a raft out of the corpses of their enemies and popped away. <laughs> the uh the the interesting thing here is how uh K Rule sails off and all you can hear is the wind and his cackling laugh. It's really quite atmospheric. In the Game Boy Advance version they added like a a, a cheesy bit of music and Funky flies down in the gyrocopter and like drops a bomb on his boat or something. <laughs> it's like die which is just really takes away from it and I think there's a big speech bubble saying I'll get you ha 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 or something I don't know but yeah the GBA version kind of messed up the tone of this ending but the Super Nintendo version holds up today yep yep all of these games are legendary and guess that kind of brings us to our end of our massive four part spotlight yes (laughs) We have covered the <laughs> whole game in its entirety. Yes, nothing we. I mean, last time me and Kev managed to do this in like one episode, one very long episode that was lost. Right. So I think it was better that we broke it up like this, so it's more yeah. reasonable. <laughs> um, cool. You guys, have any final thoughts before we call it good? Yeah, I just think this game is a masterpiece. Um, it's my favorite of the Donkey Kong Country series, and I. I just feel like the sum of all its parts is great. It has good atmosphere, excellent music, probably the best soundtrack of all of them, if not Tropical Freeze, but that's debatable. Um, of its era, for sure, in my opinion. Right. And, uh, I don't know, played played really well. It was a good, beautiful game. 
Yeah, to, to me, this was like the swan song of the Super Nintendo. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love DKC three, that really felt like a um, a sort of la- like a I guess more of an epilogue. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. DKC three didn't come out like two months after Mario sixty four. I think so. I don't. Yeah. I think I had an N sixty four when I got it. Yeah, they they both they don't. Yeah, excuse me. They definitely both came out in late '96. So, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I was very sure. excited about it and I loved it, but yeah, from public perception, it was very overshadowed by Super Mario '64. Yeah, <laughs> which is a shame because it was an amazing game and so great. But anywho, yep. As I as I said before, I know I think all three are, are a masterpiece, but for whatever reason, I've never ended up with as fond of memories as two. So maybe that's why I go back to it less. Mechanically, it is the best. Just having both Dixie and Diddy, that their moves perfectly complement each other. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. For whatever reason, I usually go back to one and three a lot more than I do for two. <laughs> I think it might be partially the difficulty level, and I found a lot, a lot of parts frustrating as a kid. And that might be some of it. But all three are masterpieces, and you should own all three for whatever piece of hardware you have that supports them. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess all I have to say is, um, you know, after twenty years, yeah, twenty years for me because I played it like a year late. But um, this game still hasn't lost its charm. And uh, I know, you know, a lot of people who have fond memories of games from the nineties and the and the eighties, you know, they're always wrestling with the idea like, is this nostalgia or is it actual? You know, is this actually an excellently designed game? And I, I think DKC two. I think it's both. I think it's um, it's a it's a very well designed game on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they really pushed the Super Nintendo to its limits. I think yeah. it's one of, I think it's clearly one of Greg's most passionate works. And right. um, but I also think the nostalgia just adds to it. Like for me, this does bring me back to Sunday afternoons in my lounge, you know, on a crappy CRT. Uh, you know, raining outside. I'm just sat there playing the bramble stages. It's great. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it, excellent. It, it all of them hold up. It's there's a lot of classic games you go back to. You know, with that exact expectation, remembering how much you enjoyed it, and you don't quite get the the same experience. But I honestly think that like like the Donkey Kong series, Country series, is like a fine wine. It just gets better with age. Like I enjoy the games just as much, if not more, than I did back then. Still replaying them so you have no excuse not to buy them <laughs> no excuse brilliant yep alright I guess let's uh, we'll about wrap it up yeah um, we'll be back next week with something that we have not decided yet indeed <laughs> who knows maybe Come we'll in. have some big news hopefully we're really lucky we'll do some an X <laughs> reveal but I know I know, there, there's a lot of like conspiracy like people are like looking into stuff so much trying to figure out the date and there's still rumors for next week so we'll see yeah we'll see because like yeah they're like all these Nintendo people went on vacation this week clearly they're planning something and stuff like <laughs> that yeah and there, there's people like digging that far and deep into that because like the guy I guess IGN's um, Nintendo correspondent went on vacation or something so like clearly he's going to a secret special event Mm, okay. <laughs> Probably all circumstantial, but yeah. Yeah. 
people well, we'll are see. just like people need information and I- I've never seen Nintendo wait this long yeah <laughs> things supposed to come out in March come on Nintendo I'll shut up now well well, whatever happens next week, we'll we'll cover it as best we can. If not, we'll think of something to <laughs> think something yeah. to put in. So, tune in Mr. next Pants, time. Mr. Pants, five-part spotlight. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a good weekend. You too. You guys. You guys too. Yeah. All right. See you later, then, guys. Yep. Bye.